Welcome back to Wide Open Spaces Podcast. This is your host, Emma Balaka. For this next episode, I am joined by Evelyn Walsh. Evelyn Walsh is a Canadian pair skater with her skating partner, Trent Michaud. They are the 2022 Four Continents bronze medalist, three-time Canadian national silver medalist, and the 2017 Canadian national junior champions. In this episode, we discuss the importance of all elite athletes surrounding themselves with a team that supports, believes, and sticks by your side through the darkest of times in sport as well as after. Those are your people. She shares some of the highs and lows of this last season and how she handled the added element of potentially qualifying for her first Olympics. She also opens up about her own struggles with not fitting into a certain skating mold and how, after she began working with a sports psychologist, her perspectives were shifted, which allowed her to tune out her own self-doubt. We talk about how we as athletes can progress and promote longevity and positive body image for all women in all sports, and how working with a sports psychologist will give you the tools needed to rise from the toughest of situations. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, when and how did you first get into figure skating? So I began figure skating. Actually, I began skating and hockey skates at the age of two, um, kind of with the goal I would go into Renette. Um, my parents both grew up skating. My dad um, more competitive within hockey and being a Canadian, I feel like it's almost like a necessity to learn how to skate. Um, and so around the age of for I believe I was in the Canscape program um, at a local rink nearby. And they had a, there were skaters out there also in figure skates and they were doing some jumps and spins, just very um, easy elements, but that was super attractive to me. And I wanted to wear a sparkly dress like they had and jump um, and do some spins. So I asked my coach if I'd be able to try figure skates and she talked to my parents a bit and I got a really old pair of used skates that I don't know how many people before used it, but I was so excited um, to put those on. And I think I can remember my parents telling me the first time I ever had like brand new figure skates, I was on the ice for like three hours, just skating around. And I think that feeling is uncomparable. And um, I was so excited just to find kind of a sport that felt like it was my own and I was in my own bubble out there and I didn't have to share it with anyone. I was kind of a selfish kid in that sense. Um, and that's kind of how my dream began. And then I started in recreational and I would do it two times a week. And mainly I loved skating at that point because of the friendships I made. And we had this like common love for skating that we could bond over and also going through those highs and lows together, even as a, like a young rec skater was something that I found really um, intriguing and as I started to kind of love it a bit more, I started to get a bit more competitive with that. And I started to make these kind of stronger friendships because I was training every day. And that's what really lured me into skating was the friendships I was making. And if my friends were not the rink that day, I was just kind of bored and didn't really want to go. And so losing those friends along the way was a hard thing for me. But um, I would say that was the main thing that I loved so much from skating at the beginning was the people that I met and that surrounded me. And um, that I really just trusted with my whole heart. 
That's awesome. So you started in singles and then how did you get into pair skating and pair skating with Trent? Like how did that begin? Yeah. So I was 15 when um, I was at my second nationals in single skating. And I, I think I was going into, I'm not sure if I was going into my 16th year or I was still 15 and Trent had just broken up previously with his old partner and we were training at the same rink, Trent and I, for the two years before that. We were best friends. Um, he was almost like an older brother to me. We would just do stupid things together at the rink. And I just genuinely had a lot of time hanging out with him and it was that friendship um, we had created. So when my coach said after he'd broken up with his previous partner to just do a couple like side-by-side elements with him that day and stroking patterns. I just thought of it as doing stuff with my friend and I had done it with girls I skated with and I was was, now I was just doing it with Trent and it was no different to me. And um, I remember being so excited though, because it was something different from just skating on my own and kind of being that bubble as much as I love singles. And uh, I think that night my coach, Allison Perkis called my mom and said, we have a couple questions we'd want to ask you. Can we come over for dinner? And I was still naive of the whole, what was happening. And so Trent, Allison, myself, and my parents were both over at dinner. And Allie said she thought I would be a really good match for Trent and wondered if I wanted to try out pair skating. Um, and we never really knew what that entailed. I was, I always had seen pair skate at the, at our club, but I never really invested my time in that because I was kind of focused on myself. So I just thought it'd be fun because I loved being lifted and thrown and I didn't really think about the long term at all. I was kind of in a short term frame. And so my mom said, if I enjoy it, you can try it out. And Allie said, we'll just give it a couple of weeks and see how she likes it. And if she doesn't like it, she can go back to singles or and or she can keep doing singles with pairs. And that was kind of the happy medium for me because I didn't want to lose what I had, but I wanted to still try out pairs. And so I think we trained pairs or I learned pairs for six weeks. And then we were at our first junior Grand Prix in it's, um, in Tallinn um, in Europe. And that was our first Grand Prix. And wow. so kind of, yeah, kind of the running joke now is that I was never really genuinely asked if I wanted to do pairs. I was kind of just on like a trial run. And then, um, so now Trent will sometimes ask me, hey, yeah, do you want to do pairs? And obviously I love it now, but it was so fast paced that I didn't even, think about what was happening. I just had so much to learn and so much to focus on. And it was just kind of like wheels constantly turning. And then eight months after that, we won their first junior nationals, um, which was crazy for me. And then we went to junior worlds and I was still like trying to process and focus on like school because I was in grade 10 at the time and it was just a whirlwind, but that was how it all started. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then eventually I stopped doing singles because it was a bit too much to manage. Um, but I really am grateful for that starting out as singles because I felt like it gave me a chance to build really good basics. And that was, that's so important in, um, pair skating, not just for the side-by-side jumps and single skating, but I think it's important to not be dragged around by your partner and be able to hold your own. And so in the way that things kind of all worked out, I believe it all happened for a reason. And that order of me starting maybe, um, traditionally later than normal pair skaters, I think kind of had its perfect purpose in that time. And as much as I love singles, I don't miss it. And I love pairs even more, but I think I wouldn't have gotten to that point without having my singles career first. Yeah. Because you're, yeah, you're 
jumps like your side-by-side jumps with Trent they're like so amazing and like they're so consistent like I remember going back to your first junior nationals that was like the first time I ever watched you two like skate together and I like never really watched pairs except for like the seniors like top three like going to the Olympics so I was like watching the junior event and I remember you guys skated to rise up Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and like you skated like lights out that was that program that was the first time I ever got shivers watching a skating program like I'm not even joking like I was like emotional like watching this program and I like never ever got emotional watching like figure skating so like it was incredible that piece is so special too I we were at world's uh this year actually and there was a team skating to rise up and we were warming up before a free program and it just like brought us back to that moment of like this is how it all started and we just loved it and we were yeah. kids and just doing it for ourselves and um yeah it's funny you mentioned that piece because it's so so special for that reason because it's just like when you kind of fell in love with skating yeah and it definitely like we felt it in the audience too like that love and that passion What's been like your proudest skating moment? That's a great question. I would say my proudest skating moment. It's interesting. I don't think this, I have kind of two, but I think my proudest would be this year's nationals. Um, Mostly because of, we had a really difficult season leading into that, uh, into that nationals that was kind of seen on screen as well as kind of behind um, closed doors. And so we struggled a lot, just kind of finding our groove that year. We, there was a new team in the mix now that we had to balance and also it was an Olympic year. And that was something we're in the running for that we had never been in that situation before. And so we're trying to navigate these new paths as well as trying to skate well. And we had new choreographers that year too. And it was kind of a whirlwind of things going on. And so I think, Skating well at nationals was vital and we knew that going into it and there was kind of no other option and not that there ever is, but nationals is your last chance to do that because it sets you up the trajectory for the rest of the season. And so how that competition goes determines that. And so we felt that pressure and it was particularly difficult because there was no crowd this year too. So now we are navigating this element of COVID and, um, you know, mask wearing and now, having no external kind of motivations, our family or parents, friends weren't there in the crowd. It was just empty. And you're still trying to put yourself in your shoes that this is the most important event, maybe of our career up to this point. And so I think to skate well at that event did a lot for ourselves. And we were so just like internally happy with ourselves. And although the outcome wasn't what we hoped, I think to know that we were capable of putting out two solid performances and skating the best we had skated all year under those circumstances was a huge victory for us. And we try not to lose that in spite of all of um, that went on after or throughout the whole season too. Um, And I, I think it just shows you kind of the resilience of the mind and the body and you can go from like the lowest low to your highest high and, how strong the mind really is because we had to shift our perspectives in that and not a lot with our elements actually changed. We didn't change anything. It was just like our mindset going to that event. And so that was a, I learned a lot at that event. And I think 
as a team, that was one of our proudest moments. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was going to lead into my next question of how you dealt with the pressure of knowing like you could qualify for your first Olympics. How did that thought um, affect like your day-to-day training, like leading into nationals? Or did it even like cross your mind? I think definitely that that idea at the beginning of the season was very scary to us and we didn't know how to comprehend it. It was this huge abstract idea that, I mean, you can't really pinpoint. You just, it's like something you can't feel either. It's just this idea that you have to reach and it's far away, but you have to do all these steps leading into it to reach that goal. And we'd never been on this path before. So you hope you're doing everything right, but it's kind of a step in the dark. And of course you have your coaching team, but I mean, we're the ones out there doing the tricks. And so at the beginning of the season, it was scary. And I think that that might have been prevalent within our competitions because we just felt lost and we didn't feel our rhythm. Um, But eventually, sorry, (laughs) my dog. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Okay. Um, But eventually we learned how to kind of shift that perspective to use it to our advantage. And it wasn't something that was going to leave like we're always going to be chasing that goal. And so if we can't change it, let's use it. And so then we started to be something that we wanted to chase and we wanted to achieve and we wanted to um, attack instead of shy away from. And um, that was the approach that really shifted our training for us. And I think then we weren't training to avoid and we were training to succeed. And that was one of the lines our coach used with us. And that like really shifted it for us. Um, and I was kind of how it was going into nationals is we have nothing to lose here. So we might yeah. as well put it all on the line. And if it doesn't go as planned, then we knew we did everything we could. And I think as athletes, that's kind of like the best feeling. Yeah. Like that's all you can do. You can't control what the judges are going to score you, how you're going to rank. So that's, yeah. that's really cool to hear. Yeah. And I think, I think as athletes, we wish we could control everything because you're kind of like control freaks in that sense, but yeah. Shifting that idea or realizing that you can't control that. And as much as you want to, it's never going to happen. Just allows kind of to thrive a bit more instead of step back from those challenges, I think. Yeah. And so then after nationals, how were you able to regroup and refocus to go to was it worlds you went to after? Um, We did four continents a week after. Yeah. Yeah. Four continents. So how because that's a quick turnaround. How were you able to take that anger, the disappointment, the sadness from not making the Olympic team and then going out and skating pretty amazing programs at Four Continents a couple weeks later? How were you able to like flip that switch in your mind? I think having Four Continents that close to us was to our advantage in the sense that those feelings didn't really have time to settle. And although we were feeling a lot of emotions and it was, it was an emotional time, we had to get back to the rink the next day and we had to kind of reset and train, keep training these programs. And we knew physically we were in the right state. We just mentally had to get there um, back to the state we were at nationals and it wasn't that long a, a far away. So I think having four continents that close really helped us because we knew we were at that proper state and we had to kind of just put nationals behind us because there was no alternative and we could either dwell on what happened or we could 
set ourselves up for four continents, knowing that we had a good shot at getting a medal. And that was exciting to us. Um, and having that new goal now in mind, I think was refreshing. So kind of shifting that perspective was kind of our theme all year and how can we use this to our advantage and how can we be motivated to chase something as opposed to avoid. And I think that's something we're gonna carry with us throughout our career. And it's tough that learning those lessons through um, trial and error as opposed to just being told that, but I think it's kind of that thing you can be told anything, but you have to figure it out yourself. And I mean, not just in sport in all aspects. So that was a vital part of our career and our season this year. And I think that just transferred into our preparation for the finals. Can you talk a little bit about, like for any elite athlete, um, the importance of being surrounded by a team that supports and believes in you? Yeah, I think that's the most important part um, in sport is being surrounded by good people and good is a broad term, but I think when you know you've found your right people and those good people you know, and it's hard to pinpoint or put a definition on that, but it's those people that don't just aren't just by your side when you skate great and things are awesome, but most specifically are by your side when things are really dark and hard. And they want to help you and they want to do everything. And even if it's nothing they can help, they're just there to listen to you. And it's as easy as a text message or you were just asking how like you're doing, how's training going, what can I do for you? And those are the good people you want to surround yourself with because at the end of the day, they're with you to the end. And I think we've noticed, Trent and I in particular, have noticed who our good people are this season because there's been really trying times where it's been really hard and it's definitely people have come and go within our team but that small net group of people that work intertwined with each other and um, really know what's best for you like you as an athlete and as a person and what's going to make you grow the most and I yeah. mean sport is especially figure skating is such a confined amount of time but there's life after this and it's just as important I think to be a good person as it is for us to be good athletes and those good people that you surround yourself with care about you being a good person and learning those life lessons and time management and how to be kind and polite and um, those kind of like characteristics that make up a person. And so I think it takes time and it's hard and it's a lot of trial and error and you think you found maybe a good person and then it's not and that can be frustrating. But I think at the end of any sport, it's that you found the best people that you trust with everything. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. Like it goes so much further than just in your sport. Like there's life after sport and you want to be surrounded by a team that genuinely supports and believes in you in sport and will also be by your side after sport. Mm -hmm. So I really think that's huge for the success of athletes in their sport as well as after they're done competing. Um, so that kind of leads into my next question. Um, what does mental health mean to you and how has it affected you in your sport? Yeah, I, within COVID. It's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it's not a question I take lightly either because I think within COVID, I've realized how influential and powerful mental well-being and health is. 
And I don't think it should ever be overlooked. And I, I almost deem it more important than physical now, just because I know how influential it was for me. Um, shifting that perspective, as I talked about earlier, going into nationals about chasing this dream as opposed to avoiding this dream. And that was a shift mentally. I had to work with my sports psychologist um, about not being like, don't fear failure, um, but like, don't fear to fall down kind of thing. And I think that shifted me into why wouldn't I just want to succeed as opposed to before I was scared that I was just going to do everything wrong. And that was all in my mental state. And I think that's when I realized the power of the brain. And it's so quick, those thoughts enter your brain of negativity and they can change so much, not just within sport too, within school and how I was trying to balance um, my life. And it can get overwhelming and just the importance of taking a break. So I think within sport, it's important to find your good people that care about your mental health. And that's kind of another aspect of what makes up those good people that surround you because that's the base of everything. And if you are strong mentally, you can conquer whatever you want and not to downplay the importance of physical well-being, but I think mental state and strength is so, so vital. And especially through COVID, I think that was demonstrated, but um, leading forward, like throughout my rest of my career, it's something that I've put a lot more focus into and educating myself on because I've felt it um, the powers of it and experienced it and um, know the pull it can have negatively and positively. Yeah, well said. Um, so you work with a sports psychologist. Um, yeah. How important would you say working with a sports psychologist is for athletes? And how is how has it um, improved your performance? Yeah, so before I worked as a sports psychologist, I didn't really have anyone. So I kind of used my parents in a way and I would just tell them these issues I was feeling and they're not educated in that way and they're not trained to help you. And I think as young athletes, we go to our parents because they're this comfortable space. And sometimes we get responses we don't wanna hear and that are super frustrating and then it creates arguments. And that was kind of where I was at. I didn't know who else to turn to and my parents weren't saying what I wanted to hear that was helpful. Um, because they aren't trained in that aspect and I love them so much but it's not what their job is and so that's when I started kind of reaching out to sports psychologists because I didn't know if what I was thoughts were feeling were normal and I felt kind of helpless at that point and um, the sports psychologist I work with is Brenly Shapiro and I've never actually met her I've done it all through zoom because I kind of worked with started with her during COVID but it's just been someone that I can call at any time and just say, I'm freaking out, I need help, or I'm having a mental block with this jumper. I'm freaking out going to this competition. And she's always there and knows exactly kind of what to tell me to calm me down. And I've worked with her for about, I would say two years now. So we have those keywords and it's not normally a long chat if I need something because it's just like those little reminders, um, but they're familiar. And I think familiar is comforting and grounding. Um, and she keeps things in perspective. And that's the biggest thing I struggle with is perspective. I'm very short term or if this competition doesn't go well, like, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm done? And she's like, no, you're not done as a skater. It's just like one competition. And I think us as athletes think it's way bigger than it is. But in reality, like no one really matters or cares that much. 
and not in a negative way. It's just not that big of a deal. And I think we think those three minutes or four minute performances are this huge thing. And I mean, there's life after it, there's performances later, there's redemption, there's bigger and better things to move on to. And um, hearing that from like an outsider, cause she doesn't really know skating either is so refreshing and was so like helpful for me in that sense. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think all athletes struggle with that, like having that long-term memory and like not being able to kind of just have that short-term memory and something happens, you just let it go. If it's good or bad, just learning to kind of accept it and then just let it go. So that's a really important skill that I think a lot of athletes should have. And I know for me, it's definitely improved my performance working with a sports psychologist. So it's, it's good to hear from another athlete. Yeah, I think it's something that should be talked about too more often because I don't know if it has like a negative connotation to it working with a psychologist or I know maybe it did um, like further um, earlier on, but I think it's good to have conversations about because it's not negative. You're just trying to be like the best version of yourself and I think that should be celebrated. Okay, so my next question is, what are some steps that we as athletes should take to promote longevity in the sport? I think the most important step in promoting longevity is remembering that we're all on our own path. I, um, I think when I got into pairs, I started later than traditionally. Um, pair girls start within the discipline and... Um, I think I was made aware of that by people um, and also that I was kind of taller than a typical pair girl. And um, I think in promoting longevity, I had to remember that this was my own kind of career and this was the path I was going to take. And it might not be the typical path or the one that others have taken before where they've never done pairs and now they're thrown into junior but this was my path and it was kind of my story and I thought that was unique to me and that's how people around me kind of framed it too as a positive as opposed to a negative so I think remembering that there's no time frame and there's no timeline you have to be doing certain things by and if it takes you longer that's fine if it takes you if you get there sooner that's great too like there's no certain time deadline we're meeting and I think remembering that is really important and celebrating all victories, no matter the age. Um, and you see young, a lot of young athletes in our sport experiencing, especially in like the ladies discipline, experiencing success so early on. And I think that's amazing. But then you also see those athletes that are older and more mature in terms of their body. And they're doing just as amazing in those elements, which I think is so important to celebrate too. And Um, The difference, I think, is more prevalent than ever right now, Um, but it's also so exciting that now there's not this just like type A body type you need to have within sport or to have longevity um, or to kind of keep your body running. It's there's so many different aspects or body types or sizes, but at the end of the day, they can all do the, not the same job, but different jobs. And I think that's so exciting because it's getting rewarded now too. And I hope it can continue to get rewarded because I think it's adding a lot of more diversity within the sport and that's needed moving forward. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next question about 
um, the importance of creating a positive and healthy outlook on body image for women and not only figure skating, but in all sports. Can you just speak about the importance of mm-hmm. kind of creating this space where women in sport, they're celebrated for the where the way their bodies look because it can do all these amazing things within their sport. Mm-hmm. I think body image is definitely an ever-changing topic and I think we're progressing the right way in terms of sport and also just within society and we're seeing more um, with the advertisements and that type of thing but um, I think it's refreshing to see different body types within sport now coming out and I hope that progresses that way because I don't think it's realistic to think that you're going to have the same body type throughout all of sport nor should we and we need to encourage healthy lifestyles to reach that point because there's life after skating. And um, if we're not forcing, but kind of um, nurturing negative habits or encouraging that, then that sticks with those young girls or women that carry on with life. And there's so many years after and incredible things happen later on in life. And you don't want sports to have a negative influence on that. So I think it's, it's really important that especially within young athletes, we're promoting healthy lifestyles and healthy eating habits and healthy look on your body and celebrating how strong it is and how incredible these things are that it can do because it truly is amazing what we put our body through and the resilience it has to bounce back from injuries and it can heal itself. And I think there's nothing like it, the body. And I think we should never punish that, um, but only celebrate our differences. And that starts at a young age and really by the people that surround those young athletes because that's where they're learning that um, kind of lingo from and that body image talk and so I think surrounding yourself with good people comes back to that because that's really where it starts and how you're nurtured and that carries with you for the rest of your life yeah and how is we like how can we as athletes better promote and educate coaches, parents, and other athletes on this topic and promote this, like what you said, a positive and healthy body image in not only skating, but in all sports. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to take a piece from Kirsten Moore Towers. I listened to an interview she did, and I thought it was really great what she used. And that is that realizing that one person or our main skating coach can't do it all. And acknowledging that is a really mature thing and she mentioned our our coach that we both use Allison Perkins in doing that that she can't do it all and so I think turning to a nutritionist to help you with that um, if you're struggling with body image or you're struggling with eating habits knowing that your coach isn't going to do it all and that's just not in skating but that's not how they're trained they're trained to be your coach not your nutritionist not your sports psychologist not your whatever you need and so people have specialized roles for a reason and using them to their advantage is really how you're going to get the most and especially longevity within the sport. So I think knowing that those people exist and using them to your advantage um, is really important for creating this body image because then we're using the people that are educated in that area. Yeah. And I think when you're just kind of going off, which sounds good, it's not long-term it's short-term and it's a short fix. And maybe it sounds good in the moment, but 
if we're promoting healthy body image and healthy eating habits, we need to use these people that have the proper resources and have experience within that field um, that know what is going to carry your body, not just through sport, but through life and um, what's going to be the best um, thing for you in terms of genetically how you're made up and um, they can run certain tests, which your coaches can't do because that's not where they're specialized. Yeah. And I really think it's important to acknowledge that like everybody is going through struggles and to ask for help and Mm -hmm. to work with a nutritionist, to work with a sports psychologist, to like work with all these people. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength that you're willing to be vulnerable with yourself and with the team around you to say, Hey, like I'm not where I want to be. I'm having these struggles. How can I reach out and get that help that I need so I can get and achieve those goals that I have set for myself. And I think that takes so much strength and it's the furthest thing from a weakness. For sure. I couldn't agree more. I think it's so like attractive too when someone says that they've done that. And I think it's so powerful and something that is, I think that's the hardest part about it, taking that first step. And once you've made that clear team around you, people just want to help, but they can't help if they don't know. And that's why having good people is so important because then you can put your trust into them. And yeah. they, if you're not in a position to be, get in contact with those people, use the team around you to make that happen. And, and when you trust those people around you, then you know you're getting help. And like you said, that's the biggest first step. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, like taking that first step is always the scariest. So that's why I wanted to create this podcast. So any athlete can listen to this and know like they're truly not alone in their struggles and there's so much help out there, but it's just taking that first step and being vulnerable. But it also helps to know like other athletes are struggling too and just hearing their stories and hearing their struggles and how they overcame those obstacles. I think it's, it's really inspiring just hearing the stories myself. So I know we all truly have a story and I think it can really inspire a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. It said so well. Last question is what are your plans for the upcoming season? Yeah. So for the upcoming season, we're working with um, a new choreographer for one of our programs. I don't really know. I'm not trying to like, keep anything secrets or that's not really what we do but I don't know if I will say yet but um, we're working with a new choreographer this year and we're doing a kind of a completely different theme for one of our programs than I think are typical um, Evelyn and Trent kind of theme is and so I'm really excited for that because it's a new element and something for us to focus on um, but mostly I think both Trent and I are excited kind of just to start this new chapter and it's a new cycle in the next four years and to close what happened in the past, um, not to forget it or not to forget those lessons you learned because they were so valuable, but um, to kind of start fresh and creating this new image of us that we don't want to get stale. We want it to be ever-changing and um, entwining with kind of a new version of us and we kind of don't want to be expected. And so I think that's what we're trying to discover right now within our partnership and with how we move and how we feel comfortable moving. Um, and also uncomfortable because finding those uncomfortable is exciting because it's something to work on and we don't want to shy away from 
doing something different. So that's what we're kind of working on this season. Um, I'm excited to move on to the next cycle. I think, like I said, we learned valuable things, but it's also exciting to move on to a new kind of era in that time, um, especially within skating. And I think um, moving always like after an Olympic cycle, there's fresh skaters that come up. And I obviously love the Olympic team, but seeing those new skaters come up is really exciting too. What are your plans post-skating career? So at the moment, my plans post-skating career is something I think to do within sports psychology. I'm really intrigued with um, the power of the mind and how influential it can be within sport. And I kind of want to open that realm from just skating into all of sport because so much of my life has been fixated on, on skating, but I think there's so many other sports I'd love to explore and learn about. And so um, that's what I'm hoping to kind of specialize in. Um, I, I'm thinking I have about two years left in my undergrad. So from there, I'll kind of have to figure it out a bit more in terms of postgrad. But at the moment, that's where I'm kind of headed. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It went, the time went me. by so fast. <laughs> I know, so fast. Yeah, I know. It's so fun. Thanks for doing this too. Like you said, I think it's so important we have these conversations and um, they're not always comfortable, but I think if we want people to be better and be better people, then they're necessary. Yeah.